Hello, welcome back to Talking Talmud. I'm Ann Gordon here with my friend and Chavruta Yardina Osband, our daf of the day, Masachet Kiddushin, daf nun dalit, page 54. Towards the very top of the daf, we have a discussion that's going back, or it's really at the very top, right? It goes back to these questions of what can be used for betrothal, what items can be used. And it go, it refers to our Mishnah, and it talks about Rabbi Mayer's opinion, right? Which is, Rabbi Mayer said that in general, when you have consecrated property, right, then that's not going to be usable for betrothal as a general principle. And it says, Umi Mishnatinu Baktonat, no, Bakat Not Balu. We're talking about the garments, the tunics that the Kohanim would wear. And here it says these are ones that had not worn out, meaning they could still be worn to do the temple service, right? Now, what would happen if a Kohen would you know, use his garments, his Kohanim, his priestly garments, to but use as a, they're certainly worth a pruta, right? And gave it to a woman as a betrothal. So Rabbi Mayer is going to say that if he did it, you know, beshogeg, then she's not betrothed, right? It doesn't work because again, they are, they are holy. They are holy garments, and they can't become hers. So then, the so this gemara discusses as now they had bahem since they were given to her, since they were given like to begin with that the kohanim would get the benefit from them. So then that doesn't work for betrothal. Now one second, it says. The fact is, it's given to the people to benefit from because the Torah was not given to angels, but to Kohanim. So then there's like a the commentary gets into this and says, you know, the Kohanim could only wear one set of garments at a time. And so the other garments, right, the ones that are not being worn as part of the temple service at that moment, then it's as if they are de- holified that's not a word right meaning that they are removed from the category of holy when they are not being worn in the activity of being holy the gemara is going to raise a question about all of this that's going on here tashma katnot shabalu what about the priestly tunics these clothing this clothing right the garments that have worn out mualin bahen divi rabbi meir so according to rabbi meir if you treat those same worn out garments that are not eligible to be worn in the beta mikdash for the services at the temple, right? Still, Rabbi Meir says that if you were to use them, then you end up, it's, it counts as me'ila, it counts as misuse of consecrated property. My love, a lobalu. And so therefore, right, wouldn't that apply? Wouldn't we say that if they were not worn out, then misusing them, using them for the purpose of betrothal, if it's not going to work, wouldn't that also count as me'ila? Wouldn't that also be, you know, a misuse of desecration? And the the Gemara answers lo balo dafka. It says no. We're talking specifically here about garments that have worn out because they can't be worn by the kohanim. So therefore, using them for any other purpose also kind of like is is not eligible. You can't use them for any other purpose because they no longer serve their real purpose. As opposed to saying I, I don't know. Let's say uh, somebody was cold. So the kohen's wearing his you know one set of the garments and somebody's cold you know just drape the other ones over him i don't know whether that should be done but if it is done the claim here is that it's not me'ila right it's not it's not a desecration of the garment to begin with um okay and so now the gemara is going to say we've got a, a question on rabbi Mayer's position here tashma mo'alim bachadatin 
The Gemara says one thing, we generally talk about this kind of misuse or discretion of the holy property when we're talking about something that's new. Something that's new, it was it was designated newly to the temple, not for something that's already atik, that's something that's already old. So that's Rabbi Huda's position. Rabbi Meir Omer, Mo'alim Av Batikim, Shaya Rabbi Meir Omer, Mo'alim Bishayre Halishka. Rabbi Huda's, I'm sorry, Rabbi Meir specifically says, no, if you take something that is old and that is that has been consecrated for its use in the temple and you use it in not that way, then that is misuse, it is desecration, and it works even if you're talking about something that is, you know, already old, the purchasing of it is not new, and and so on, right? Meaning, it says, he, he says that anything that is in this could be misused, basically. Even something that is, it says here, that which is kind of left over from money that was, you know, used to purchase all the things that they needed to buy, whether it was karbanot or whether it was the garments or whatever it is, if you misuse that, if you take that and went and bought, I don't know, not for the temple items, according to Rabbi Meir, that would be a misuse. Okay, it goes on to talk about more about the question of this money and when is it considered new and when is it considered old? What's the problem with it? But Yardin, I'm turning it over to you. I know you have more to talk about, Mi'ila, and and what counts for that. Yeah, so what's interesting here is they get into this discussion of Mi'ila is it has a specific passage about uh, Yerushalayim and it says the following, Toshma, and again, this is the whole dap is dealing with uh, a machlokas between Rabbi Yochanan and Rav, and how they understand, uh, you know, uh, the opinion of uh, of Rabbi Meir. Well, you know, basically, how do they understand Rabbi Meir's opinion? Um, and so it says the following: Toshma, come and learn. Titania, it taught in a brisa. I'm a Rabbi Yishmael bar Rabbi Yitzchak. So Rabbi Yishmael said, the son of Rabbi Yitzchak said, "Avne Yerushalayim shenish shenashru." Stones of Jerusalem that were left over. In other words, that somehow got detached from a wall. Moalim uh, They are subject basically to the laws of Me'ila. So in other words, um, uh, you wouldn't get Me'ila if the stones were actually in the wall because then the wall is considered to be attached to the ground. But if the stone fell out of the wall, then if you use it for something else, it would be subject to Me'ila. Diver Rabbi Meir. This is the opinion of Rabbi Meir. Um, and so what this means is, is that, um, you know, where this goes relates to what you said, Anne, is that uh, just the same way that somebody, uh, you know, could, uh, you know, it would kind of be unavoidable that you might get benefit from the stones when they're in the wall, right? Then, so you can't help that. But once they're detached, uh, then they are subject to Me'ila. So the same thing with the Kohanim that, you know, obviously they get some benefit from wearing the tunics because they're while they're doing their avoda because they're wearing the tunic. Um, so the question is, shouldn't the tunic then also be subject to Me'ila at other times? That, that's essentially where. But what I really want to focus on is this idea that sort of the stone of Jerusalem is, you know, considered to be consecrated. So the Gemara says, Lo tema Ravi Meir, don't read in the Brisa. Right, these are the words of Rabbi Meir. Ella amai Rabbi Yehuda. Rather, you should say that actually this is the opinion of Rabbi Yehuda. And so then the Gemara goes on to say, "E Rabbi Yehuda, if this price is the opinion of Rabbi Yehuda, how can we say the stones of Yerushalayim should be subject to Meila at all? Yerushalayim means Makdisha. 
right? Where the was the wall of Yerushalayim considered to be consecrated according to Rabbi Huda, the Hatznan. We learned in a Brisa, uh, Mishnah, excuse me, this is a Mishnah that should be familiar to you because it was actually a Mishnah that we saw in Nidarim, um, on Zap Yod Amudbet, uh, Ki'imra. If somebody says, let this, you know, I- item be like the lamb, Kidzirim, like the enclosures, Ke'itzim, like the logs, Ke'ishim, like the fires, Ke'hecha, like the sanctuary, Ke'mizbeach, like the altar, Ke'yerushalayim, like Yerushalayim, that's basically all signs of him saying, or all uh, language saying that it means uh, it's a consecrated object now. Rabbi Yehuda, but Rabbi Yehuda says, Kola Omer Yerushalayim, lo Amar Klum. Anyone who says Yerushalayim has not said anything. In other words, that's not an effective neder of any type because Rabbi Yehuda basically is saying that the walls of Yerushalayim are not hegdesh, they're not consecrated in any way. Um, so, um, uh, you know, so the Gemara then says from here, uh, if you would say that according to Rabbi Yehuda, the neder isn't good because the person did not say uh, like Yerushalayim, Rabbi Yehuda Omer, we have a bracelet that says anyone who says Ki Yerushalayim, it's as he, it's like he said nothing. It's like he didn't make a neder. Unless he makes his vow based on something that is actually offered in Yerushalayim itself. Um, and so again, this shows that Rabbi Yehuda obviously holds that the walls of Yerushalayim were not, you know, were not uh, consecrated at all. And then the Gemara answers, So yes, there seems to be two contradictory rulings. Uh, with two Tanaim who disagree according to what Rabbi Yehuda actually held. Um, but I think more what's interesting here is this machlokas over what exactly is the status of Yerushalayim. Do the walls themselves of Yerushalayim have a particular status of Hegdesh or do they not have a status of Hegdesh? Um, and I found this to be a very interesting, you know, we saw this before in Nidarim, uh, but it, to me it's an interesting machlokas. Like what's the status of the, of the physical, like of what defines Yerushalayim itself? I think it's great. And I think it's also really interesting how it comes here on the heels of all of these different things of, you know, which of uh, it being used or misused for betrothal, right? And here, it doesn't go that far, right? Can you use the walls of, of Yerushalayim for betrothal? But it simply, you know, hones in on this question of what happens if that, if the stone is integrated into the wall, if it has come out of the wall. And I, I like the parallels. I think it's really interesting. Yeah, they're great. Um, I think there's one other thing you wanted to comment on on this staff. Oh, just to note, right, for for all of our co-learners, you know, there's much more about Masrutini on Amabet. And it really, you know, if we wanted a deep dive, it's on Amabet. We didn't really t- talk about it today. Yeah, but I, I just wanted to point out, because yesterday we did talk about Masrutini. And so we just kind of want to point out, like, oh, there seems to be a lot of Masrutini on this staff. So just pay close attention to that. It's part of the question of Masrushini actually being different qualitatively somehow than the other other forms of tithing. Yes. Well, that's our DAF discussion for the day. Rank us, review us on all major podcasts. Thank you to Revenue Michelle Farber for hosting us on the Hadron website. Let us know what you thought about this DAF on our Talking Time with Facebook page. And until tomorrow, go and learn. 